Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Linda Falak, Alea Shalom, Lilui Nishmat Yafabat Mazal, Alea Shalom, sponsored by her son Jack Cookie Falak. Breakfast is also sponsored for the Refuah Shalema of Khalifa Avigdor Ben Esther, sponsored by Lindsay and Shalomo Suisa. And the cold brew is uh, sponsored in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat, Mordechai Ben Rivka, Alava Shalom, sponsored anonymously. Rabotai. The Gemara tells us, uh, in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that there were three great gifts. Shalosh matanot tovot. Three great gifts that were given to the Jewish people. And each one of those gifts, ena niknit, is only acquired, ela bi is only acquired through suffering. What are they? Eretz Yisrael, the Torah, and Olam Haba. These three things, one can only acquire them through suffering. If you're very, very bright, you're still not going to get the Torah, which doesn't make sense. That sounds very strange. Why? Let's say it's easy for me. I love learning. It's fine. What's the problem? Eretz Israel. I'm very strong. I conquered the land. Oh, I came in. No problem. I got Eretz Israel. Well, that about maybe it's a little bit easy to understand. But Rabotai, this idea of Ena Niknit Ela Bisurin is very, very powerful. And I want to share with you something that I think is very interesting about this idea of Ena Niknit Ela Bisurin. There was a uh, young boy who came to the Shiva Ketana and try as he might, he's one of these guys that tried, you know, so hard every day. He sits there in his seat. He tries to study as hard as he can. Nothing doing. His rabbi sees, here's a young boy, Bar Mitzvah, 13, 14 years old. He sits there from the beginning of the Seder until the end. He listens, he writes notes during the class. He just doesn't get it. And this rabbi in the, in the lower school, he, you know, and he takes pity on him. He says, you know what, I'm going to help him study. I'm going to learn with him a little bit of extra time every day. I'm sure the guy will get it. He learns with him a little bit of extra time, an extra 20 minutes, an extra half hour, an extra hour he's giving him every single day for nothing. The kid somehow, he just can't understand the words of the Gemara, the words of the Rashi, the words of the Tosafot. It just doesn't go in his head. Poor kid. After a year, two years, three years, they become very, very close while this kid is in high school. And nothing the guy could do. After four years in high school of giving this guy all the extra attention, treating him like his own son, still the boy is held back. He's incapable of understanding. He can't communicate the words of the Gemara he's trying to learn properly. He finally goes to yeshiva, he has wonderful midot, he's wonderful everything, but his head is just, can't, doesn't go in. By the time he goes to yeshiva, he gets accepted into a good yeshiva because the guy doesn't leave the bit midrash. He's a good boy, he studies hard, he has great midot, everybody loves him in the yeshiva. He gets into a good place. But again, you know, he calls him up, the rabbi calls him up after a little while, and he says, how are things going? And the boy says, you know, nothing much has changed. I didn't understand stuff in high school. Now I don't understand stuff in yeshiva. It's all the same. I wish it was different. I'm trying still as hard as I can, but nothing's going in. The rabbi says, listen, I have an appointment next week in Bnei Barak. Why don't we go together? We'll spend the time. We'll go and wait on the line. And we'll go speak to the greatest Torah scholar of the generation, Rav Chaim Kanievsky. The boy says, okay, you know what, rabbi? 100%, let's do it. They go, they wait in line, they come to the rabbi, and the rabbi says, no, you know, what can I do? And he says, the rabbi says to him, you know, you're sitting here looking at a boy 
who's trying so hard to learn as, uh, uh, you know, and, and understand the words of Torah, but nothing goes in. What should we do? The rabbi says, listen, you know, I guess, he kind of puts his, you know, pats him on the face. He says, I guess he needs to try harder. The rabbi says, Rabbi, the chilek, I know you're saying try harder, but I'm willing to be a witness in front of you today that this boy is trying as hard as he can. He sits all the time, he learns all the time, extra time after, it doesn't work. What should he do? The rabbi says to the boy, he says, tell me, are you praying that you should be able to understand the words of Torah? The boy says, of course I pray. Of course I pray. The rabbi says to him, and listen close. He says, maybe what's missing here, the missing ingredient, is not trying hard. It's not the prayers that you need in order to be able to be heard. But maybe you need a little bit of misirut nefesh. A little bit of going the extra mile, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone when you pray. Promise me, he said, that you won't miss tefillah b'tzibur. You won't miss praying with the minyan. And you will see Hashem will open your eyes. The boy says, okay. He starts going morning, noon, and night. It wasn't very hard for him. Anyway, he was a guy who was a yeshiva guy, a good boy. He never missed tefillah b'sibur. Every day, morning, noon, and night, even if it's a little bit, you know, more difficult out of his way. The time comes. It's bein hazamanim. It's in between the, you know, the vacation period. And it's a Thursday morning. His yeshiva, all the guys decided... They're going to go up north, they're going to go for a hike. People in Israel, they love going hiking, they love walking in the mountains. They go as families, you know, over here, you have to go to an amusement park. In Israel, they just go to a park and they're amused. It's a very different thing. You don't have to pay $75 each person, okay? They get to this place and he's going, traveling, he gets back late at night, it's already, uh, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock. He sits up with his parents, they ask him how it was, they tell, he's telling about the different things that they did, it's great, beautiful. All of a sudden, the boy looks at his watch, Shema Israel. It's three o'clock in the morning. He hasn't prayed our beat. There's nowhere to pray our beat in his, in his area in Ramot to pray our beat at three o'clock in the morning. He says to his mother and his father, he says, But I promised. I said I was going to do it no matter what. The only place you can catch our beat in Israel at three o'clock a.m. is where? Zichron Moshe. Even the Kotel's dead at three a.m. <laughs> The only place is Zichron Moshe. You find people there, three guys sleeping on a bench, two cab drivers like this, another four guys wandering outside, you make a minyan. Maybe it's not the only place in Israel, maybe it's the only place in the world. I've had to avail myself of that uh, on a few different occasions. He had that doesn't have a car. He's a poor, you're not a money guy. He can't afford to take a cab from Ramot as well. Who's going to be driving at 3 a.m.? He walks from his house to the highway by Ramot. And he's sitting there trying to tramp, trying to catch a ride. He's waiting 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour, nothing doing. Soon it's going to be already morning. And then he can't pray Arabi. And then he missed the minyan. The cars that pass by every 5-10 minutes are going 60 miles an hour. No one's stopping for someone at 3 a.m. on the highway. By the way, between me and you, I don't blame them, would you? Until finally a cab pulls up. The guy rolls down the window. And who is it? A cab driver from that town that is this, guy, this kid's neighbor. He says, where are you going now? 3.30 in the morning. 
He says, I missed the Arbit, the only place to go is Zechron Moshe. The guy says, I can't believe it, that's also where I'm going. I also missed the Minyan, and I'm going to go now. He jumps in the car, he drives in there for free. They get there, there's four people there, you know, they're waiting, him, two more, they've got six. You know, they wait five minutes, ten minutes, they say, you know what, let's go, Khalas, it's it. The boy says, please, I need this so badly, please stay, five more minutes. The boy goes out into the streets of Zichron Moshe, starts running up and down the streets looking, finds two more guys having a cigarette, another guy over here, there. He brings them in, he's so overjoyed, he's got a minyan, finally. There's 10 people, they start praying Arbit. It's nearly 4 o'clock in the morning. They pray Arbit. The guy is praying his Amidah. He's take, you know, with all of his heart, like he hasn't prayed in his life. He gets to the Beracha of Atahonen, La Adam Dat. You grant people wisdom. Grace us from your wisdom, from your heavenly wisdom. Help me understand. This Beracha is a very powerful Rabotai. People think it only means the wisdom of Torah. A lot of people need a lot of wisdom to be able to stay married, to get married, how to have children, how to navigate with children. Sometimes we don't realize the power of this Beracha. And he's sitting there with his hands in the air, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour on this one Beracha, and he's crying from the depths of his soul. He finishes the Amidah, he, he feels like a new man. He looks around, Everybody's gone. They all finished Arbit, they all slouched. Hada, he doesn't have a car. He's now in Zikra Moshe. It's only maybe a half hour more until uh, the star, the, the sun comes up. He says, I don't have a ride anyway. You know what? I'll stay here and I'll pay shahat, pray Shaharit and then I'll take a bus home. You could borrow Tefillin. There's a thousand pairs of Tefillin in Zikra Moshe. So the kid sits there. <clears throat> he says, What am I going to do? He opens up a Gemara Sanhedrin. He opens up the page, Rabotai. He's shocked. He reads a line, he understands it. He thinks maybe he fell asleep because he's delirious, because he hasn't gone to sleep all night. He reads another line. He reads the Rashi. He tries Tosafot, Tosafot's more difficult. He gets it on the first try. It was as if something had opened deep within him. He, he, couldn't, he can't understand. He's so filled with joy, he learns all the way straight to Shaharit. He prays Shaharit, he comes home, he's on cloud nine. His parents say, what happened? He says, I can't tell you, I don't, can't even describe what happened. I went, I got the minyan, and I opened the Gemara. His father says, really? He opens up the Gemara, Rabotai. And the same thing. He learns straight until Friday, until Shabbat, all day. Because for the first time in his life, it's easy. It's a joy. It's sweet. His father says, it's time to go. We got to get ready. He goes to shul puts on his jacket, he goes, he sings, he's so excited, he's so happy. Friday night, he finally comes home, they're singing Zemirot. His father forces him to go to sleep. He's been up already from Thursday morning, straight all the way, until Friday night, nearly two full days. Abu Dai. Years pass, and the boy visits the same rabbi from all those years ago. And he walks in with a little notebook, on the Masechet that he's learning in the yeshiva. And it's filled with ideas and chidushim and questions and answers. And the rabbi looks at it and he says, wow, this is amazing. Who's the author? Asks his uh, lower school rabbi. And the boy says, the author is me. 
And I thought I should bring you my sefer, my little booklet over here, because they're my success as much as they are yours. If you didn't bring me to the rabbi to pray with all of my heart, my heart wouldn't have been opened and I wouldn't be here today. Rabbi when we say that there are certain things that are acquired with hard work with Yisurin, it means that if you don't suffer for them, the keys are not given to you. It is fascinating to notice that there are two things in the Torah that we find a time where the Am Yisrael suffers, where they're attacked. They're attacked by their worst enemy, their worst nightmare. Who's the Jewish people's worst nightmare? Amalek. One time Amalek attacks right before they receive the Torah. And one time Amalek attacks when they're on the border of Eretz Israel. Why? Because Torah and Eretz Israel are only acquired with suffering. That's why the two times they attack is there. But Rabotai Amalek is mentioned one other time in the Torah. It's mentioned in the Nivu'ah of Bil'am. When Bil'am talks with his Nivu'ah as he's looking at Am Israel, he says, Vayar Amalek, and he sees Amalek Bil'am. And he says about Bil'am, Reshit Goyim Amalek, Ve'aharito Ade Oved. What is he talking about, Bil'am? He talks about Amalek and he says that Amalek is the first of the nations to attack Am Israel. But Aharito, his destruction, when will it be? Ade Oved, all the way at the end of time. The last fight that the Jewish people have with Amalek is going to be right before the coming of Mashiach, Kiyad, Al Keska, Milhamal, Hashem, Amalek, until Dor Dor, until the end of time. What happens after Mashiach, the end of time? Each time Amalek appears, we find one of the things that's acquired with Yisurin. Why is this so important, Rabotai? Because when we talk about Torah, and we talk about Eretz Israel and we talk about Olam we don't only mean those things in their physical sense. Acquiring Torah, Rabotai, doesn't mean just that you know a book. It means that the Torah enters into a person's heart, into their, not just their mind, but into their heart and in a way where they're capable of interacting with that <coughs> wisdom. Sometimes you meet somebody who studied a lot of Torah, but the guy, he's incredibly rude. He has no midot. He thinks he's better than everybody else. That person, he may know a lot of Torah, but that Torah did not enter into his heart. He, he learned it, but he did not niknit, he did not acquire it. You could have someone who goes to Eretz Israel, has a big house, but he did not acquire Eretz Israel. The concept of Eretz Israel is when Am Israel is living in a place where they are supposed to be. When they're not in Galut, where they are exactly where they're supposed to be. And a person can be in Eretz Israel, so to speak, even if they're not physically in the land of Israel. The concept of Eretz Israel means attaining what is the height of Israel, the holiest place I always say is Yerushalayim. Those words, the word Yerushalayim is two words. It comes from the word Yireh Shalem. When a person gets to see their Shlemut, their perfection. A person cannot attain perfection in this world unless they suffer. 
I'm sorry, I'm going to say that again. A person cannot attain perfection, growth in this world, unless there is suffering. If you're on easy street your whole life, you didn't grow the way you were supposed to. If you're on easy street your whole life, you don't learn the hard lessons that life only teaches you when you struggle, Rabotai. Are you aware of this? That's what we're trying to communicate here. There was once a young man, a young, excuse me, a young man that decided to get married. The family is looking in Israel for a place to put up all of their family members. They need a place for them to stay. They don't know where they're going to put them. They need a space for a whole family. They can't afford a hotel. All of a sudden they hear that their downstairs neighbor is going on a trip to America for what? Also to celebrate a wedding for their family. They knock on the door. They say, look, we know it's a big ask, but when you're going away exactly for one week to America for a, for a wedding, you understand the, the difficulties of a wedding, the needs of family of a wedding, the need to find a place to stay. Please do us a favor. Could we put our family into your apartment for this one week? The family is sitting there thinking, the husband and wife, do we want these people here? We just redid our apartment. We're going to have now a bunch of family with a bunch of kids. What are we going to come back to after a week? Everything's going to be chaos. Everything is exactly the way we want. Our clothing is in order. The kitchen's in order. Everything's in order. Do we want someone? Gonna... They're thinking, thinking, thinking. You know what they say? You know what? Bottom line, we're now going to America. We also need to stay somewhere. I understand in this time uh, the, the tzarot of somebody else. A big part of why God gives us challenges is so that we should be able to have empathy and understanding when someone comes to us with those challenges. You should remember that you were a slave in Egypt and therefore have pity on a slave, on a ger, on a yatom, on an almana, on an ani. You once knew this suffering yourself. Listen to this, Rabotai. The guy decides, you know what? You know what? Let's go for it. He says to them, please, Take care of the apartment. The keys are yours. <clears throat> a week goes by. Each family celebrates. They dance at their weddings. They're very happy. They come back. As the family returns from America, they go, they get the key from the upstairs neighbor. They stick the key in the lock. They open the door. And as they open the door, they are hit with a smell, a stench so vile. They feel like they're going to vomit. They can't believe it. They walk in, the apartment is in perfect shape, but they can't breathe in their own house. They're holding their noses, trying not to gag, and they walk through the apartment to find out what it is that's causing this horrible aroma. And they realize that the family, when they left, they tried to do a nice thing and save them some money, so they disconnected. They, they flipped the switch on the power. But they didn't realize that that power wasn't only for the lights in the apartment and for the air conditioning, it was also for the refrigerator. All of their food, all of their uh, you know, stuff for Yom Tov, all of their frozen meat, hamburgers, veal, steaks, God knows what, everything gone. Shema Israel. He does the damage control he figures out how much he thinks it's got to be at least 400 bucks for 400 maybe sorry 400 shekel 500 shekel worth of stuff they're not a wealthy family they can't really afford it they feel terrible but you know what he said 
If I ask them for the money, are they going to be able to pay? They don't have that money. They don't have the extra money. So what am I going to do? I'm going to tell them this news. They're not going to be able to pay me. And then what? And then they're going to feel horrible about it forever for no reason. There's no benefit. They decide between him and his wife. Not this. You know how hard that is. You do someone a favor. It comes back in your face. Not only does your house smell. The smell Rabotai stayed there for months. It's in the carpets, in the chairs, and they couldn't get rid of it. The fans, you know, sprays. Two months later, it takes until the smell goes. Finally, Rabotai, finally, the first day comes where the guy comes back in the morning from praying to his house, opens the door, no smell. The first day, wow, smiling. He's so happy. That day, Rabotai, a big smile on his face. Someone calls him. They say, they ask him for tzedakah for a local charity. He gives them a donation. He's feeling in a good mood. Finally, his house doesn't stink. <laughs> Rabotai, that night, he gets a phone call. He said, hi, I'm calling from the charity. He says, uh, yeah, I gave you already today. He says, no, I'm not calling you to tell you, uh, to ask you for a donation. I'm calling, he says, because you won. He says, what do you mean I won? I gave a donation. He says, no, the donations, each donation was a ticket in a Chinese auction. He says, and you won one of the top prizes. He says, well, what's the pri top prize? He says, you won a brand new, very advanced, very expensive refrigerator. On the day that the apartment starts, stops smelling. He looks up to Shammai and he understands that HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognized, understood. Sometimes you do a misvah and you can't tell anybody because if you tell the neighbor, they're going to be embarrassed. You tell anyone else, you sound like you're bragging. But you know what? It hurts. You're holding it into yourself all this time because they decided not to say anything. There was this Yisurin. They acquired Shelemut. God says the day that it stopped smelling so you should be able to tell that this is what you were suffering for. To be able to keep your mouth shut and not make someone feel bad unnecessarily. Hashem said, I see you and here's your reward. Just you should know. Of course, the real reward is not going to be a refrigerator. It's going to be limitless up in Shamayim. In Olam Haba, because Olam Haba is Niknit, be with suffering. Every day a person has something that goes wrong. Something small, something big. Look up to Shamayim and say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I accept it with love. I know if this is what you're asking of me, I'm capable of surviving this test and I know that you're doing it for my best. I don't know how. Maybe I can't see. Maybe I'll never see. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I accept it. If this is what you want, I accept it. I'll do my best to live with it and not fall and still retain my simcha and my emunah. Rabotai, when a person does that, they achieve unbelievable reward. They achieve the reward of becoming a better person, Torah. They achieve the reward of attaining perfection of becoming the best self and Rabotai, they achieve also the unlimited reward of Ulam Haba, the spiritual reward uh, that is there for every mitzvah under the sun. Baruch Adonai Le'ulam, Amen Ve